Hey, my name is Sean Sears. I'm the lead pastor here at Grace Church. And I want to say thank you very much for being part of our services this weekend. We're wrapping up a series called Staycation, which is about how to find happiness uh, where you're at right now. And today I get to wrap, wrap that series up. Um, I, I, for me, one of the things that makes me most happy in the world is the water. And more specifically, it's boats. I I love boats, man. I mean, if you come into my office, the most prominent display in my office is a ship that was handed down to me uh, from my dad who got it from his dad. And, and uh, I, I grew up on the water. Um, my dad took us water skiing all the time. I've been water skiing since I was nine years old. When I think back to my childhood, some of my best memories with my family were lake days. And whether you like boats or not, when you think about your childhood, the happiest parts of your childhood are things that you as a parent, you already have passed on to your kids or as a parent now you're wanting to pass on or someday when you become a parent, you're going to want to expose your kids to those same things that brought you so much happiness. I'm no different. So when our kids got old enough to swim and to enjoy things like that, we went on to Craigslist and bought a boat. And every vacation that we've had here as a family in New England since then has been on a lake. Like it's, it's been around water. And I, I, I loved it. I, I love every single bit of it. Now, the sad thing is that all three of our kids, now that they've become older, my youngest is 17, so he's almost an adult, but all three of them have told me that when they have kids, they're not going to buy a boat. And I don't, I don't know if it's because they hate me that they told me that. I mean, I know it has nothing to do with that. But all of them have mentioned <laughs> that that wasn't their favorite thing about childhood. And I... I, I didn't understand that for a long time until I considered the things that we did when we were on the boat. Now, now it, all the time, it's now. Like right now, it's now. It's still now, and it's still now. And so the things that we're doing now affect us right now. And how they affect us right now can be the most important thing determining on whether or not we do what we're about to do. But the unfortunate thing about now is that the other now isn't now anymore, there's a new now. And the new now is affected by all of the choices I made and all of the other nows that came before this now. And as a dad with my kids on the lake, I wasn't thinking about all of the other nows that will someday happen because those nows are all thens because this is right now. And so I'd get my kid out in the water, I'd get him on the inner tube, I'd pull him around and they might, you know, a little kid, they wanna go slow it, first and then I'm in the boat and I'm dead bored of, of doing 10 miles an hour and I start speeding it up a little bit and I start speeding it up a little bit and then I start doing figure eights in the water to start creating waves and then now I'm flooring it because I'm bouncing my kids in the air because that's hilarious for me not for them we've got some awesome pictures of our kids hanging on to center tubes with sheer panic and fear written on their faces and it's funny to look at it's funny to look at but it wasn't fun for them to experience and and I loved experiencing that and bouncing them in the air and the arms and legs all over the place that was that in the now that was awesome what I wasn't considering was how my choices in the now were going to affect everything else because now passes and then I live with the consequences of the choices that I made in the now that are now the back thens, right? And sometimes the choices that we make right now in the moment 
that we want most in the moment lead us to longer periods of time with regret. And truthfully, some of the choices that we make right now are the greatest threat to our ability to be happy long term. And that's what I wanted to talk about in our series today. Jesus warned us that there would be things that would threaten to rob us of our ability to be happy and our ability to live a healthy life. But I don't want to get ahead. First, I want to convince you that God actually cares about whether or not you live an awesome life. So if you've got your Bible, go to John chapter 10. That's where we're going to be at for the, the most, most of the rest of the time that we have uh, today is John chapter 10. There's going to be a couple of other verses that we're looking at, but if the only verse that you looked up uh, was in John chapter 10, I, I won't lose you. So John chapter 10, verse 11, and here's what Jesus says. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. He says, I am I'm a good shepherd. I'm not just an okay shepherd. I don't just do my job taking care of sheep in a mediocre way. I rock at this. I am good at taking care of my sheep. I'm a good shepherd. Like from the sheep's perspective, I'm good at what I do for them. The proof of that is that he says the good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. So basically what Jesus is saying is, I'm the one who is really good at taking care of you. I'm good at, I'm good at all the you stuff. That's what Jesus says, I'm good at. And then he says, if I would sacrifice my life for you, like that's the, like, what else would I keep from you? If the thing that matters most, my life, is something that I would give for you, why in the world would there be anything else I would keep back from you? The Apostle Paul references this in Romans chapter 8, verse 32, when he says, Since he, God, did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? And it's not that he'll give you everything else in the world. In the context, the verses before that statement, and in the verses after, he says, I will give you everything you need for your life to turn out good. And the truth is, that's what we all want. We all want our life to turn out good. I can't imagine anything worse than getting to the end of my life and looking back and saying, I wish I could go back and do it over again and undo all of the stuff that I did. If you're in high school, I hope you don't get to the end of your senior year and look back on it and say, I wish I could redo my senior year, right? I don't wish I could go back and, and relive my college experience and undo some of the wrongs that I did. Because the truth is, I do wish I could go back to when my kids were little on the boat and have been more patient, trusting that long term, we would have more joy and happiness as a family on the water if I wasn't only interested in what gives me the most pleasure right now in the moment. But I can't go back. You won't be able to, like we can't undo the choices that we make because time keeps moving and we're stuck with the decision that we, we're made. Now we can make amends and we can, we can do, and I'm not saying you're doomed if you've made any mistakes. My point is I want to get to the end of my life 
with as few regrets as possible. I want to get to the end of my raising my kids. I want to get to the end of my working life, entering into my retirement. I want to get to the end of my college experience. I want to get to the next stage with as few regrets as possible so that I can live the happiest life possible. And God's interested in the exact same thing for you. So can we acknowledge that maybe we have faulty assumptions when it comes to our understanding of God? Some of us honestly believe that everything that God's ever told us is to keep us from having fun. It's to keep us from being happy. But if Jesus really is the good shepherd, like I'm good at taking care of you, then maybe everything God ever told us to do and told us not to do God knows gets us to the other side of this now with a higher likelihood of having a good life. And the only reason I have a hard time doing what God tells me to do and a hard time not doing the stuff he tells me not to do is because if I'm going to be completely honest, I don't believe that Jesus is good at taking care of me. So this whole series is to convince us, to convince you that God's plan is your contentment and ultimately your happiness in him in every area of your life. The whole Bible talks about this. The creation story, the very first chapter of the Bible it is caked in happiness. After everything God made, he said, bro, did you just see that? That was awesome. Like every, it's, it pleased God. It made, like the Bible opens up with the stuff that makes God happy. Jesus then goes, starts his ministry in the book of Matthew. And the very first sermon we ever get in the Bible is Jesus saying, these are the conditions in which God makes people happy. Moses, two weeks ago, Talk to us about the number one myth of happiness. And that is that I need stuff I don't have in order to be happy. And last week, Pastor Stephen talked about God's plan to make us happy right now where we're at with what we have. But in this same passage where Jesus says he's a good shepherd, he warns us that happiness needs to be protected or we'll lose it. He says that there are thieves and wolves constantly threatening the lives and the happiness, the well-being of the sheep. There's thieves and wolves. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. But before we get into how Jesus plans to protect his sheep from thieves and wolves that threaten to rob them of their well-being, I want to look at who his sheep actually are. Because Jesus doesn't make that promise for all sheep everywhere. It's just to his sheep that he's a good shepherd. So who's his sheep? Well, in John chapter 10, verse 9, Jesus said this, Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and will find good pastors. So he said, the sheep that are mine are the ones who come through me. I'm the gate. They're the ones who come in through me. Not everyone is his sheep. Those who go in through Jesus as the gate are his sheep. But people who do not go in through Jesus 
as the gate are not their sheep. They're just not his sheep. Only those who follow Jesus belong to Jesus. <laughs> that just makes sense. Sheep wouldn't follow a shepherd that's not their shepherd, right? And you're not his sheep if you don't follow him. Later on in the same chapter, John chapter 10, verse 24, Jesus said this, the Bible says this, the people surrounded Jesus and they asked, how long are you going to keep us in suspense? If you're the Messiah, tell us plainly. Jesus replied, I've already told you and you don't believe me. The proof is the work I do in my Father's name, but you don't believe me because you are not what? You're not my sheep. My sheep... Listen to me. I know them and they know me. That's how you can tell whether or not you have Jesus as your good shepherd. You not just know who he is. I mean, I think everybody in the world knows cognitively, cognitively who Jesus is. But the ones who are his sheep are the ones who hear his voice in their heart, and they actually follow him. Those are his sheep. He says, I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one can snatch them away from me. And this brings me to the first of only two main points in the teaching today. And that is this. Number one, protect your happiness by making sure to listen to what God has already said. That's what you need to do. To protect your happiness, you need to listen to what God has already said. If you are not right now a follower of Jesus, then you are, sadly, on your own. Now, the good news is that there's a whole chapter in the Bible that talks about Jesus' desire as a good shepherd to rescue more lost sheep. So if you are not Jesus's sheep right now. The cool thing is that it's not because he doesn't want you. It's because you're still wandering. And if you want to become his sheep, you just have to stop running away. At some point in your life, God will speak into your heart and call you to turn from your disobedience towards God, your selfishness towards others, and place your faith and trust in Jesus's death, burial, and resurrection as the only thing that pays off your debt before God. When that moment gets here, when you accept that when Jesus laid down his life for his sheep, that that was for you also, when you call out to God for forgiveness, ask to be rescued from your disobedience towards God, you're brought in through that gate. You now become his sheep. Jesus said in John chapter 14, though that if you love him, if you are his and you love him, you will do what he says. Why would the sheep that are his, who have come through the gate, why do we do what God says? Here's why. Because we actually believe he's a good shepherd. And when I don't do what he says, it goes back to my lack of faith in Jesus as the good shepherd. Because if I believed he was a good shepherd, if I believe that he ultimately is interested in the success of my life, I would more often do the things that he said. Why would I do what he says? Because I believe that living according to his purpose for my life is the best way to guarantee that my life will work out well. 
Paul talked about that also. In Romans chapter 8, verse 28, he said, And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good, not of everybody. He causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. What's his calling and purpose? For me to hear his voice and follow him. Why do we need to listen to the shepherd in order to be happy? That's in John chapter 10. So back in John chapter 10, verse 10, here's what Jesus says. He says, here's why. Here's why you have to listen to the shepherd. Because the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. There is a thief that is looking to rob you of every amazing thing God has planned for your life. To steal all of those things from you and ultimately to destroy everything good in your life. Some of you guys have experienced that. You've seen the deterioration, the destruction of beautiful things in your life and they are gone and it is unbelievably devastating. So Jesus warns us that that happens. He says, my purpose is to give them though a rich and satisfying life. So he says, so there's a thief and then there's the good shepherd. The thief wants to take away from you. The sheep wants to protect you. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for a sheep. We read this verse a minute ago. Uh, a hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them, the sheep, and scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away because he's working only for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd, he says again. I know my sheep and they know me just as my father knows me and I know the father. So I sacrifice my life for the sheep to rescue them from the wolves. I have other sheep too that are not in the sheepfold yet, right? That might be you. Maybe you're distant from God, but God, because of what he knows, someday you are going to stop running from him and you are going to be found, right? So he's, he's mentioning you in this verse, which is really cool. He says, I've got to go find them also. They will, how will I know it's them? Because then they will, at some point, you will listen to his voice and there will be one flock with one shepherd. So why do we need to listen to the shepherd? Why do we need to do what he says? Because there are thieves and wolves. That's why we need the shepherd. My problem though is this. I think that the greatest threat to my happiness is the circumstances I'm in. So my faulty solution to this threat, which I believe to be my circumstances, my solution is that I think finding relief by any means possible is the way to get back my happiness. But it doesn't work that way. Everything you and I go after to relieve our pain outside of Jesus is the hired hand that flees as soon as the act of escape is over. You've seen something coming, a circumstance, and you knew that this was starting to rob, because the truth is we're not happy all the time. Now, I know the scriptures and the teaching from last week says, I can be glad in any situation, but there are things that are consistently on the fringes of my life that are threatening my ability or the ease in which I can be glad. And when those things get in, what I'm most tempted to do is to ease my suffering in a temporary fashion, right? You've done that also. And then once we get to the end of that bender, once we get to the end of that one night stand, 
that joy and happiness, the temporary relief from our suffering, our pain, our loneliness, eludes us. That was the hired hand. That's what Jesus says. Like What you're running to for relief from pain, from loneliness, from your sadness, is temporary. It's a hired hand. It will not last. It's a substitute for a good shepherd. When we seek relief from pain rather than deliverance through pain, we end up with greater regret and sorrow. Some of you guys have lived long enough that you could give better illustrations and examples of having experienced that. We thought the thief was sadness. We thought the thief was sexual unfulfillment in our marriages. We thought the thief was loneliness. We thought the thief was poverty. We thought the thief was sickness or grief. But this brings me to the second of only two points in the teaching today, and that's this. Pain points to the problem needing to be solved, not to be numbed. These are simply storms that come into the life of all sheep. I don't know why we thought that just because we have a shepherd that no, we're no longer affected by the weather. But the sun shines on stranded sheep and rescued sheep. The rain falls on stranded sheep and rescued sheep. The advantage is that those of us who have been rescued have a shepherd we can run to who's more interested in us than even his own well-being. The thieves and wolves are the things that take us farther from the shepherd. That's what the thief is. The thief isn't my sadness. The thief is what I run to to release me from that sadness temporarily that pulls me farther and farther away from the voice of my shepherd. What does this actually look like in my life? I just have a few examples. There's probably hundreds. You could come up with even better ones, maybe. But I remember before I was married, most of my friends were sexually active. And as a devoted follower of Jesus, I knew that God had asked me as his kid to be an accurate representation of his character and nature in my sexuality, according to Ephesians chapter 5, right? And, and it was a difficult choice to make. I don't know where you're at in this, but I'll say this. Every single person you've ever sexually given yourself to before marriage is another person that you would dread running into in the mall with your spouse or your daughter. Am I right? So does that add to your happiness? Or does that rob you of it? Do you see what I'm saying? So it's that temporary saying no to the instant gratification of flooring it to bounce my kids all over the lake that leads me to a lifetime of enjoying water sports with them. But I chose poorly. And it's that temporary obedience to God to deny the urges I have right now in this moment that lead me to a place on the other side where there's not a single person in the world I'm afraid of bumping into in the mall with my wife and daughter. So does that add to my happiness or take from my happiness? Porn creates an unrealistic expect, 
expectation for sexuality in your marriage that your spouse can never meet, which will leave you constantly and consistently frustrated. This false expectation. So your momentary gratification and looking at this now leads to a lifetime of frustration because of the false expectations it creates in your heart. The hours of overtime you put in, not just to meet your needs, but to have financial excess, comes at the cost of time spent with spouse, kids, family, and even your church family. But you've never heard of a person on their deathbed wish that they had made more money. Every single person I've ever talked to as a pastor on their deathbed has asked for more time. Grief is horrible. It, it just is. It's, it's, it's grief. It just is. The alcohol, the pills that I consume to numb my pain has never solved the problem or recovered my loss. It simply adds regret to the pain that I already had. So here's the big question. What should I do when I feel my happiness slip away? Here's what you need to do. You need to get closer to the shepherd when you feel your happiness slipping away. That's what you need to do. You need to get closer to the shepherd. (laughs) What the heck does that mean? (laughs) How do I get close to the shepherd? Good question. Ephesians chapter 4. With the Lord's authority, I say this. Live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. How are they confused? Because their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life that God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. So they're not listening to the shepherd. They don't follow the shepherd. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. But that isn't what you learned about in Christ. Since you have learned about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off, this is how you get close to the shepherd. Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let God's spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on a new nature created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Stop telling lies. Uh, Let us tell our neighbors the truth for all parts of the same body. Don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry, for anger gives foothold to the devil. If you are a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good hard work and then give generously to those in need. So you could say, if you're an alcoholic, stop drinking for the same thing. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything that you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Why? Because these are the things that you've heard from Christ. That's how you actually get close to Jesus is by actually doing the things Jesus tells his sheep to do and do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live remember that he has identified you as his own he's marked you as his sheep guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption get rid of all bitterness rage anger harsh words slander what is the thing that robs you of your happiness add that to the list as well as all types of evil behavior like the one you just thought of instead be kind to each other be compassionate Forgive one another just as God through Jesus has forgiven you. Recognize the difference between escape and rescue. Here's the difference. 
Escape is running from the problem and rescue is being carried through the problem. Paul said that rescue comes from not giving a foothold to the wolf, not giving a foothold to the thief. So the things that I run to that I know are in disobedience to my shepherd to provide immediate relief from my loneliness, immediate relief from my, from my greed, my fear of poverty, those things that I immediately want to run to, those are the things that are going to rob me that I am to run from. How do I follow the voice of my shepherd through pain? I've got four things. Write them down. They're not going to be on the screen. Number one is this. Identify and reject your unhealthy pattern of dealing with pain, loss, loneliness, and sadness. How do you numb the pain? Name what it is. What is it? Two, remove the opportunity to do it. If it's alcohol, get it out of the house. If it's porn, get one of those apps that sends the bad sites you look at to an accountability partner promise you that'll clean your act up, right? Uh, increased accountability. Maybe, maybe your, your immediate relief is food. Get rid of your junk food. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's distancing yourself from people that you can't control your actions around. Three, remind yourself that the spirit within you is thrilled or grieved by what you're about to do. And then choose an act of kindness, tenderness, forgiveness as an expression of gratitude to God in place of the action you are about to take. Let me end this series with an encouraging word from James, the half-brother of Jesus. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy, happiness. The thing you think you needed relief from, right? is an opportunity for you to be happy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully grown, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he'll give it to you. He won't be upset with you for asking God what you should do next. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver. For a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive what they asked from God because their loyalty is divided between God and the world. Their loyalty is divided between the shepherd and the wolves. And they are unstable in everything they do. Remember, when you are being tempted, don't say God is tempting me. God has never tempted you ever to do wrong. And he has never been tempted himself. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. So don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. Whatever is good and perfect, is a gift coming down to you from God. He never changes. He chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word. And we, out of 
all of his creation are his prized possession. That's who you are. You are his prized possession. He's the good shepherd. His path leads to your ultimate happiness in him and in his life. But the same wolf that is after all the sheep in the world didn't stop hunting you just because you found a shepherd. Your advantage, though, is that you have a shepherd who can keep you from the wolf, but only if you listen to him. And that's something I can't do for you. Only you can. Every one of us are sheep. We are either stranded sheep or we are rescued sheep. The cool thing is that if you're a stranded sheep, that the shepherd is willing to make any sheep his sheep if they would just stop running. Are you willing to accept that the shepherd actually laid down his life for you? That he offered his life as a payment for the debt you created between you and God by your disobedience towards his commandments and your selfishness towards your fellow man. No good deed you'll ever do undoes the wrong you've already did. I know I said that wrong, right? That's why you need that debt paid for. And only the shepherd's death, burial, and resurrection pays that debt off. If you believe that, are you willing to ask forgiveness and to commit to following the shepherd with the rest of your life? Yes or no? If you are, you're going to get the opportunity to tell him that in just a second. Maybe you're already his sheep and you feel the wolves barking at the gate. Maybe you've already let a wolf in and you're getting bit. The awesome thing is (laughs) the wolf doesn't have to have his way with you. You can repent of letting that wolf in. You can tell God, this is how I'm running from my problem, not running to you in my problem. And I'm sorry. I'll trust you in this. Rather than seeking relief from, I'll start looking for purpose in it. You're either following Jesus or you are not. You're either stopping your ears or you're listening to his voice. I want you to talk to God honestly about where you're at. Let's pray. God, I'm thankful for your love. For everybody who's a part of our services this weekend, I don't believe that there's anybody who's listening to this teaching today by accident. Every single one of us are a sheep. We're either stranded sheep or we're your sheep. God, for those who are stranded sheep, they are outside of your gate. I'm asking God that your Holy Spirit would draw them to yourself, that you would speak into their heart, that you would give them the desire to want to be rescued. And if that's you, you want to be rescued You can be rescued. Your prayer right now, wherever you're watching this service, your prayer is, God, I want you to be my good shepherd. I believe that you offered your life as a sacrifice for me. I believe that your death, your burial and resurrection pays off my debt. And while I have no right to ask you to do that, 
since you did it voluntarily, I would be crazy to ignore it. So Jesus, save me from my sin too and help me to follow you with the rest of my life. Make that your prayer. Maybe you're already one of the sheep, but truthfully, you've been getting way too close to the wolves and thieves. Your prayer is, God, I'm sorry for the distance my disobedience has created between you and me. I know that I will always be your sheep. I've just not been a good one, and I'm sorry. God, help me to hear your voice again and help me to follow you every time you speak to me. God, this is our prayer. And we ask this in the great name of Jesus, and we all say together,